grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Anyway, welcome to California Haunts Radio. <laughs> My name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so, and I've got a great guest lined up for us. His name is Chris Morris, and what does he have some really cool stuff to tell us. In the meantime, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of lovely Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state, and uh, that means we can get to you no matter where you're at. We have people almost in every, well, not every county, but we have people... <coughs> for counties that we can get to get you to help you out all right so you can find me on facebook and uh uh twitter and you can find me uh, you can find us on instagram and you can find us over at tiktok as well anyway cut into the chase if you're watching from facebook and you like what you see tonight be sure to hit that follow button if you're watching from youtube there's a little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. That is our mascot, and click on that, and that will subscribe you to our videos. There's, there's more than 450 videos sitting over there of differing topics. I am a journalist. I'm also a photojournalist, so I don't only do ghosty stuff. I do other stuff as well, so I'm sure there's something over there that you'd find of interest. Now, without further ado, I'm going to bring our guest on because I'm excited to talk to this gentleman because after doing this gig for 25 years... He and I have some similar ideas about what ghosts are and how to categorize them. So let me bring him on. Hello, Chris. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You had to sit through all that. Whoa. It's going to be that kind of day, huh? Tell me about yourself, sir. Yeah, certainly. So I call myself a ghost behaviorist. I'm the very first one. Uh, And I call myself that because... What I do is separated from what a ghost hunter does. I feel like a ghost hunter likes to go out to the field and substantiate that uh, spirits exist. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I, you know, I've been there, done that a decade ago. You know, I know they exist. I'm trying to find that next step, the next level. You know, I, I'm trying to get into the the psyche of a spirit, which I actually call discarnate psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to create a new branch of psychology just through you know, interacting with spirits. And I tell you this by using psychology, Eastern philosophy, you know, these aren't things that ghost hunters put in their toolbox. So Mm -hmm. by using things like the Tibetan book of the dead, the Egyptian book of the dead, Kabbalah, uh, psychology, and putting those all in one banner, I'm able to get some really uh, groundbreaking things in this field that you probably haven't heard about. So if you're sick of hearing the same thing over and over and over again, sick of the ghost hunting shows doing the same thing over and over again, this will be a, a this ep- this podcast will be a fresh breath of air for you. You know, um, after listening to you on other podcasts and 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 being on your YouTube page, I can honestly say that, like I said, not everything we agree on arm in arm, but I mean there is stuff like. For instance, this Woodland Opera House here in in Woodland, we have um, two distinct ghosts in there. And one is the guy that died in there from the fire. And the other one is the guy that set the fire. And what he told us via, you know, dowsing raw psychics and all that communication was that he's there because the guy that set the fire is afraid to cross over. Hmm. So he is there to kind of torment the guy that's, you know, to, 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 I don't know if I want to use the word torment, but he's there to harass the guy that set the fire because it took yeah, his life. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, you know, so that's one of the things I thought was kind of a parallel with, with kind of like, you know, what you're doing and, and how you go about, you know, cl- classifying the ghosts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't know if you want me to get into my spiel now, but I have seven different classifications that I've come up with. And, you know, it, the, the list has kind of morphed over time. When I wrote my first book, Ghost Hunting 2.0, it just, you know, I I wanted to address spirits that no one has ever talked about before. You know, like 
case in point, one of the type of spirits that I kept running into were these spirits that had no affili affiliation with a location, but they're just wandering in, they'd interact with you, and then wander out of the location. Mm -hmm. No one has ever talked about wandering spirits before. And, and the 100 plus ghost hunting shows that I've ever seen, right. they don't really talk about it either. Uh, and it would solve a lot of problems that these, uh, you know, so called professionals in the field, uh, you know, are going up against in these cases. You know, what I find is spirits are attracted all over the place in the afterlife. So, you know, I have a classification for wandering spirits. And then if they're, if they're, uh, their cravings and whatever spins out of control, you know, they, they sit there, they're squatters, they become uh, parasites. So I have a parasitic class mm -hmm. of spirits that are just, you know, constantly feeding off the area. And I find, you know, once you cut off that food source, they're on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So we have to come up with a new classification system. And I, and I, I, I don't have the diagram here to show you, uh, but this is uh, what I call the flow chart to the afterlife that I came up with. It's okay. uh, right here. Uh, I made a couple tweaks and changes to it. This is mm -hmm. in my book. I, I released this in 2016, but uh, I've in this book, I talk about six classifications. I've actually come up with seven now uh, to address the parasitic class, but I, and I can roll through all those if you want me sure, to. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my thought was you talk about the parasitic class too, is that once, a, once there's a doorway in a building, and people become accepting of the ghosts that are there. Then you get these guys that come in off the street. Or these ghosts that come in off the street. Because I remember doing a dowsing rod session in Old Town Placerville. And the psychic came back laughing. Because she says, you know, they're lined up in the middle of the street to come talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. Yeah. So I sat there for hours. you know. And it's just like there's, there's some that are so hungry for that interaction. With humans. Right. Again, you know. Right. And I think once you start, once you step out of, you know, the, the Catholic religion, which is the dominant religion when it comes to uh, the ghost hunting field uh -huh. or, well, maybe, it, maybe not. Cause I, I find that a lot of ghost hunters, the majority of ghost hunters don't really put religion into their uh, ghost hunting session. But as far as demonologists and exorcists go, yeah, it's probably, it's dominantly uh, Catholic or Catholicism. Uh -huh. And once you take a step, out of that religion and into other religions like Kabbalah, uh, Judaism, uh, the Tibetan system, you start to see that they have all kinds of stories and methodologies that that line up to the classification system that I've laid out here. Mm -hmm. uh, case in point, in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, one of the main spirits that you run into are the what they call the hungry ghost. There's actually different realms that they point out. And what I find this is the linchpin of my classification system where I've, I find that once a spirit crosses over nine times out of 10, you're going to turn to a hungry spirit. And don't think of hungry as a physical hunger. It's a psychological mm -hmm. hunger. Mm -hmm. When they pass over, they're going to have like a craving to uh, for unfinished business, trying to fix mm -hmm. uh, something that, that has spiraled out of control in their life. Mm -hmm. And what I find is that the level of hunger determines where you go from there in the afterlife. So if you're, you know, if you die abruptly mm -hmm. and your, your mind space is just not ready for the afterlife, you're going to become a confused spirit because you're just like, what, what, what just happened? And we find these in, you know, highways and byways and, and uh, places of tragedy, great tragedy where, you know, you, people died in a split second so right. we have the confused spirits and these can evolve into residual hauntings and we can talk about that later sure. uh then i have then i have the classifications of the the two hungry spirits that you know you become introverted you're scared of the afterlife or you're extroverted you're like hey this is cool and then uh, that of course that's the stuck spirit which you right. find in closets and basements and things like that and the extroverted is the wandering spirit which i kind of addressed but they're mm -hmm. they're like a tourist of the afterlife they're like hey this is pretty cool let me just go here bounce bounce all over the place and then the hunger which i call the hunger sliding scale so if it's on the uh the more extreme side that's right. where we get the parasitic type spirits that are just they come in you, you find a lot of these at bars okay mm -hmm. and, and this is why rabbis always bless their drink and food before eating and ingesting because these spirits love to come in and feed off people's vices 
because they they feed off their cravings of alcohol and smoking and and just gluttony and stuff like that that's where we get the seven deadly sins mm-hmm. and so they're they're just partaking in that so if you go to like bars and frequent uh places like that that's where you'll find those type of spirits they'll come in hang out and then they're gone and it, it, i i found in my own personal life when i've been into bars and things like that you always notice one corner that's darker than the other it's probably mm-hmm. where they're hanging out at and then of course once the hunger if you're you know uh, on in the afterlife and your hunger is totally spun out of control you can't control yourself you become what i call a destructive spirit and this is where we get you know the demonic types and things like that the you get the drunk the alcoholic type personality where it's like you're taking their drink away and they're they're like oh, I, I can't think for myself and just spiraling out of control and manipulating the physical realm and it's just dealing with like a a, a tantruming child mm-hmm. uh, so to speak so we, i i think i covered all of, oh the helper spirit is the last one which you know these are spirits they could be angels they could be uh loved ones that have passed on but they're hanging around they've got the the most minimal amount of hunger psychologically but they're only hanging around because they're waiting for a loved one to pass on they want to watch their their kids grow up grandkids grow up and they you know they jump in and help out from time to time so those are the seven classifications that i've come up with now you've been doing this for a long time and you have a um you studied psychology what else you studied Yes, uh, psychology, uh, the Tibetan culture, Buddhism, uh, Kabbalah, Judaism, uh, sociology, psychology. Uh, it just every little bit helps. And I just take a piece from here and there and put it together. And it just really brings this field up a notch. And just to show you how uh, impactful uh, coming at the field with this mindset is, the very first time that I went to uh, a location, with this new methodology that I use, I ended up getting a 90 minute interaction with a spirit. Now you may say 90 mi- minutes. That is ridiculous, but it happened It's documented. It's on the, I have a YouTube channel called ghost doctor. It's the very first episode where I caught uh, it's at the St. Augustine lighthouse. And I ended up getting into an interaction with the spirit 90 minutes long. Uh, a year later, I got into another interaction that was 60 minutes long and they just kept coming. 60 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes. So this this is like re- revolutionizing the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because I, I when I go to the uh, the established celebrities in this field and, mm-hmm. and I go to them, I'm like, look, man, I've got a revolutionary way of coming at the spirit world. I ended up getting a 90-minute interaction with the spirit. They just look at me like, seriously, what, what? Because you watch these shows and the longest interaction they get is probably minute to... So 90 minutes, that's unheard of. And I'm able to pull things out from the spirits that I don't think anybody's ever heard before. Uh, Case in point, uh, when I was talking to the spirit in the St. Augustine Lighthouse, Mm -hmm. uh, we we got into this line of questioning about the afterlife. And I noticed when I started to ask questions about, okay, well, is is being alive the same as being dead? You know, Mm -hmm. and I was asking certain questions about the afterlife. At first, I thought, okay, well, she's probably sensitive to a couple things. But as the conversation went on, every time I'd ask these questions, she would back away from the conversation and stop communicating with us. So I had to use some psychological ploys to to reel her back in. And once we did that, the conversation was just humming along. She And I'd ask these questions. She'd pull away again. So then the, the question was asked, you know, okay, so are there certain things I'm not allowed to ask you here? She said, yes. I said, okay, well, are, will you get in trouble if you talk about these things? Yes. So then I asked, all oh, right, million dollar question. Are, are there rules to the afterlife you have to follow? She said, yes. So that just in itself just blows the lid off the paranormal field because how many sticking points do you see investigators get into when they're in a location, they're asking questions, things are humming along, and then all of a sudden, boom. Uh, the conversation just comes to a complete halt. So this is just, you know, you're, you're starting to see how the sausage is made basically right, in, the, right, in the afterlife. So, yeah, I, so this, now this was 2012. Right. I've put so many things together. So, uh, you know, when I, when I say I'm a ghost behaviorist, 
you know, I don't say that lightly and, and I don't want, I, I, and I know once I get popular, there's going to be ghost behaviorists popping up all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to just be insane, but right. you know, you have to have that body of knowledge behind you because when you're in, interacting with this, these spirits, and I'm sorry for just running on with my conversation. No, that's here. fine. And, just go with it. Let's okay. With it. Um, so, uh, you know, when I'm doing this stuff, you know, you have to rely on uh, all your education. You just can't go in there and be like, well, I like I, I hate to keep using the paranormal celebrities as an example, but I feel like at this point they're just resting on their laurels. They're like, oh, people will just watch me do my thing and I'll just uh, go on TV and, and just ghost hunt like I've done since 2010. Right. And, yeah. yeah, and the problem with that is people are tuning out. Like the paranormal TV landscape is at the lowest ratings that it's ever been. It's crazy. But um, uh, what I was trying to get back to is when I do this, you know, there's a certain methodology that I use. And, uh, oh, shoot, I lost my train of thought. But, you know, <laughs> you have to have that skill level to launch yourself forward and say, um, Ah, shoot, I, I, I completely well, lost is, my train of thought. You've but... been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time. And when you go out, you're pretty well, you know, you, you come in contact with enough stuff to be able to sit there and figure it and start and start and start thinking about it and think, well, maybe I didn't have good contact with this one. Why didn't I have good contact with this one? Let's try this. Right. You know, and then you start reevaluating the contact that you've had. And then you start coming up with these things that you come up with because it makes for better contact communicate right and, and that's what i was trying to get at i, I it slipped my mind but See? you remind you refresh my memory um how i come at the field is uh you know i want to be when we look at a, a doctor's practice when he's dealing with patients he doesn't diagnose every patient the exact same way and when i'm out in the field i have that same kind of mentality i just can't go in and start you know going at the, every single spirit the exact same way. You know, mm -hmm. there is a methodology to this. So when I'm talking to a spirit, my mind's got to be working overdrive the entire time because when I get into an interaction with a spirit, every little thing they say, I have to be very cognizant of because the way they answer things and, and come at me will tailor my approach to how I come at them because look i have seven classifications i found mm -hmm. that each different classification has different needs they have different wants mm -hmm. and to remedy the situation you have to come at them in a variety of different ways you just can't throw stuff at the wall and i right. feel that's that's where we are now with the field everybody's just like well i come at the field in this manner and that that's the only way you come at it but the problem is you know it, it's like one of those uh those tool those fix it all tools you know mm -hmm. you just you just can't have everything on, on one little widget. You have to right. have a right. separate uh, way of doing things for every spirit type. Well, you know, I've been out on investigations, not with my team, but with other teams where I've seen them. You're talking to somebody from the 1850s, maybe a woman, and they'll go, you know what this is? And they'll slap a cell phone down. <laughs> this is a telephone. And then I'm like, she doesn't know what that is. What, what, what are you doing with that? It's not going to get a reaction. She has no clue what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. You know, that's and why that, I carry I, I carry trigger objects. I mean, I to make sure, you know, I've got little perfume bottles and all kinds of stuff that I take with me antiques to get attention. But I mean, I, I understand what you're saying because, you know, it's like a one size fits all. Let's go talk to this ghost here. It just keeps, keep, you know, keeps throwing out questions at it. That the ghost probably doesn't even either understand or care about. Right. And this is this is where psych uh, sociology really comes into play, because if I'm talking to somebody from the 1850s, OK, mm -hmm. you have to know the social norms yes. of that day, yep. because if you don't, they're going to cast you out of the, the, their little circle. And I like to refer back to, uh, you know, society is built upon high school principles, you know, the, mm -hmm. the cafeteria. You know, mm -hmm. when you go into a cafeteria in the lunchroom, you can see it played out playing out in real time you know you have the, the the table for the jocks you have the table for the cheerleaders the goth kids the band kids and 
you know, what was cool about me in high, in high school was I was able to go to any table I want because I knew the social norms of every little group. You know, if I go into uh, to the, the table with the jocks, you know, he had to talk about, you know, sports and, you know, whatnot. And then if you go over to the band kids, he had to talk about music and, you know, band camps and, you know, whatever. So you have to know the social norms or, or and if you don't, you'll be cast out of that little circle. And when, what I find is when you go into these haunted locations and you only have a certain amount of time to uh, present yourself in uh, the best light to this spirit, are they going to be like, I don't want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, it just goes back to sociology and even, you know, guys out there, uh, guys, when you're, you're picking up girls, okay, you only have this small window to put your best foot forward or mm-hmm. the girls could be like yeah i don't see him as a, a, a suitor or something like that you know once you miss that window you're on the out so you really have to come at the spirit world in a deeper level of understanding that hey i know what you're going through there's times where i go to locations where i'll sit down i'll be very quiet and then i'll sit down and just have a one-on-one chat and i'll be like Look, I know what you went through after you died. You probably looked in a, a mirror, didn't see a reflection, and you're probably just going, I, I don't understand what's going on here. And, and that's 99% of spirits. So if you come at them at that level, it's like, hey, this guy's personable. He knows me. I want to I want to talk to this guy. I don't want to talk to the thousands of other ghost hunters that come in here and go, can you make a noise for me? You know, they've been there, done that. So if you go in there and you're like, hey, I I can relate to you. I want to help you. I want to pray for you. And and by the way, I find that a a lot of spirits, when I'm interacting with them, they want prayers. So, you know, pray for them. And Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of times why they're there. You are so refreshing to talk to. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. I, I, you know, and and I try to be very different uh, when... It just drove me crazy because when I did research for this, this was back in 2016, uh-huh. uh, it drove me crazy because I would read paranormal book after paranormal book that I swear they they could all just uh, sue each other because they're just like plagiarizing. It's like one book after another. And, and at, you know, at this point of the game, I try very hard to talk about things that you have never heard of in the field, like classification systems. Uh-huh. Who the heck has ever heard that stuff? Uh, let's get down to the bottom of you know, uh, residual hauntings. I've never heard anybody give a, an example like I have that explains everything in the residual world. Or, you know, why can't uh, spirits be caught on film? And, and you know, I found out there is a principle in the quantum mechanics that explains everything of why you really can't get spirits to manifest on film. And it's called the uncertainty principle that says when the observer is is viewing a certain space and time. Like, it, like a, I, if I want a spirit to manifest right here and I'm looking right here at that spirit, it can't happen because this principle says the observer collapses the quantum state. Mm-hmm. A spirit has to manipulate the quantum state to break into our realm, okay? Because it's not from our physical realm. It's right. from these this ghost realm. So it's got to cross this bridge into our universe. So in order to do that, it can only do it for a couple, uh, you know, a split second mm-hmm. before it's it's canceled out of our universe. Because since I'm looking in this area, I'm collapsing that quantum state. It's trying to break into. This is why a lot of times when uh, you re- when I when you research demonic hauntings, and a, a paranormal investigator will go into a room, and be like, "Can you make something happen to us?" And nine times out of ten, something will happen in the room next to them. And that's because the demonic force cannot manifest in the room that they're in and everybody's watching. So they're, they're going off in the other room and doing the thing. And I, you know, I put this theory to the test many, many times. I was in the basement of this location. Uh, we were trying to get this spirit of a boy to move a ball. And I was, you know, I had a meter out and I said, well, can you move this ball? He's like, yes, I can. So I said, okay, well, uh, we waited a few seconds. I'm like, okay, well, are you trying to move it? He's like, yeah. So I told everybody, I was like, okay, look away. Everybody just look away for, for, for 10 seconds. We all looked away. We looked back and I tell you, this ball moved. It wasn't much. It was like a couple centimeters, but it still moved. And that proved the point that 
the uncertainty principle does exist in the paranormal field. Fascinating stuff. So, yeah, I, I just want to talk, you know, about stuff that has never been heard about before. And, you know, I'm passionate about this stuff. You know, I want to launch the field forward, but it's so hard because the, the people, the paranormal celebrities in place, there's only like 20 some of them. And it drives me nuts because they keep getting cast in the same shows and this, you see them keep coming back over and over again. I'm like, you're not giving us nothing new. Even in the press releases, they're like, we're, we're uh, going to show you next level ghost hunting. And it drives me nuts because I'm like, well, wait a minute. I coined that phrase in 2018 for one. And then if you tune into the show, you're like, well, what is new exactly? You're showing us new equipment, but you're not showing us anything new per se. Because right. you're still doing the same thing since... since 2010 so yeah it's just a frustration but i love the field at the same time so See, double watch, edged sword i don't watch those shows either <laughs> they drive me nuts I, I i just can't watch them you know and yeah. it's, the, it's it's like it's on repeat all the time and that's one of the things like i said the, per, the, the the personable part of it like i said what i used to find frustrating with i'm not going to name the shows because i don't want to get sued here but you know, where they go in and they're just stabbing in the dark. Are you a man or a woman? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And it's just those stupid little mundane questions they keep asking over and over. Where, like you say, you can get in. Once you find out who you're dealing with or what you're dealing with, you can you can get more, you can aim with more pointed questions in to, to, to warm them up to speak with you. And I agree with right. you 100% with that. Right. I mean, it's okay for to go into a situation and be like, well, are you man, woman? But what's your end game? And yeah. I find that a lot of these uh, ghost hunters they don't have an end game they're just trying to feel things out suss things out or whatever but when it comes to me you know as a ghost behaviorist when i'm asking these questions i have an end game in mind i'm like okay well we need to figure out you know what what you are who you are why you're here and if i can help you because that is what we need to happen we, you can't just stay here and haunt the place and right. even if we're pushing you out you know you're just going to go to another location and haunt that location so right you know, right. what, what are we really doing here? Are we really helping people or, or helping the spirits? No, we're not. We're just sending them to like pack your bags, get your shit, get out of here. <laughs> so Sorry. I don't know if I'm supposed is a part of my language. I'm, it's okay. When you say helping people or helping the spirits, how do you help them? What, what do you do? Once you find out what's going on with them, how, how do you assist them? Yeah. So uh, I like to pray for them. Uh, like I, if you can see my background here, I have uh, a lot of, eastern artwork and mm -hmm. uh mandalas and things like that so when i go into a location i find that now nine times out of ten all the spirits really want is to know well th there's a couple things sometimes spirits just want to let the loved ones know that they're there and once that happens they can start the process of kind of moving away from the physical realm and and you know doing their thing because if a a, a loved one what sees that uh the person that they left behind is still grieving mm -hmm. that's going to connect them and they're going to try so hard to show that they're there it be that in the end becomes their hunger mm -hmm. and they got to make sure that hunger doesn't spin out of control because they they'll that just leads to worse things on the classification list mm -hmm. but you know once that's out of the way then they can start the healing process but uh, nine times out of ten what I find is spirits want prayers. And this is just very prevalent in a lot of different religions, especially like the Mexican religion, uh, um, the, the Tibetan religion, the Jewish religion, you know, pray for your loved ones that have passed on. And, you know, that's all they really want because what I find is, especially in the Eastern culture, they really spell it out that in the afterlife spirits are craving merit and, because it's kind of like a currency, okay? It's kind of like a spirit currency in the afterlife. And when you pray for them, you're putting coins in their pocket so they can use that for other things in the afterlife. Sure. So I, I make sure, you know, uh, my dad passed away a couple of years ago. I make sure to always pray for him, my grandparents. And uh, you know, when I come up and interact with these spirits at these locations, I'm like, do you want, do you want us to pray for you? Nine times out of 10, yes, please pray for me. I'm like, I'm right there. I'm praying for you. So... And I have certain mantras that I use uh, to help them and, and give them uh, a lot of merit and uh, good karma to send them 
to send their way because that all helps as well. I just love what you do. That's all I can say about it. I mean, I, I, <laughs> you, I just love you. your philosophy. I love it. It's not for me. It's not out there because oh, good. Like I said, even though I don't do exactly how you do it, but I have been doing similar things for the last 25 years and oh, people good. have laughed at me on my own team. Yeah. I, I, I know how it is uh, because I've been doing this. Like I, I started what I do didn't come overnight. Okay. Don't, don't get any, delusions that i just did right. this overnight when right. i first started you know i i started back in 2006 i was a fan of taps ghost hunters i was like oh cool this is a methodology i didn't know there was stuff to to actually you know go with the spirit world with this is pretty cool uh but then about 10, 2010 i saw collectively all these shows kind of hitting this wall where they'd get interactions happen but you know, they, they didn't really take it that far. So at the time I was researching things like the Tibetan book of the dead, the Egyptian book of the dead, different scriptures of the past. And I started to learn things. I'm like, wait a minute, what if I try this in the spirit realm and, and see if this happened and by God, it works. So I started, you know, writing a book and that's when a lot of things came together. And I, I called myself a ghost behaviorist along the way. And I tell you, once I called myself a ghost behaviorist, that's when a lot of animosity started. They're like, what, what's a ghost behaviorist? I got to talk to this guy. And especially when I did conventions, they didn't like it because a lot of the diagrams that I would sit out, mm -hmm. uh, especially like uh, the, the one I showed you previously, the flow chart of the afterlife. Right. Uh, I've got a, a nice colorful blow up picture of this that I, that I have at my booth at a convention and it, it just attracts people in. They're like, what is this? I need to know more about this. They, they don't know why they're drawn to it, but they're like, I need to know more about this. So my booth the entire time will attract more people than the ghost celebrities that they've paid to be there, which is amazing. <laughs> and then what happens is they don't have me back because I make everybody look bad. So it's like, oh, and, and I, I'm like, come on, just have me back. And they're like, no, we can't have you back because you're just making us look bad. So, but people want to know this stuff. People are starving for answers because we keep hitting these people with, with comments like, well, energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be altered. I swear, if I hear that phrase one more time, I'm going to freaking scream. You know, let's talk about uncertainty principles and, you know, hungry ghosts and, you know, I've also come up with a theory on how spirits are man able to mani manipulate energy on the other side. And this is taking, you know, a, a lot of uh, uh, education from the medical field. You know, there's something called psycho neuroimmunology, which states that there is a trinity in our bodies, which uh, which says that uh, collectively our our five senses our uh emotional state is uh let me say this again our emotional state and our immune system and our nervous system are all tied into one okay if one gets thrown out of balance they all go out of balance and you can see that when you get sick you know everything goes down all shields go down right, you know right, right. Uh, so when you die this trinity is broken because you no longer have a nervous system because it's tied to your physical body. You're only left with your mind and you're only left with uh, your uh, uh, your immune system. Mm -hmm. So when you die, you're, you're trying to find that third part. And when you die, you latch on to this, uh, this energy-like field that now becomes your immune system. So what I find is that on the other side, you're able to manipulate energy to how you see fit because now your mind is tied into energy, okay? And this is why demons can manipulate the physical realm because their mind is tied into it and they're very strong, okay? And this is what happens, uh, and this is how we get residual hauntings, okay? When a, a person dies, bam, okay, they're driving along, bam, they're they're they don't, they don't realize what happened. So a couple things can happen at this point. They, they could have, uh, they could go through what is called dissociative disorder, where they totally separate themselves from the whole, uh, the, their whole, the whole reality of them being dead. 
And since their mind is tied into the energy realm, they can create a world where that exists. So when you go into a location that um, that kind of feels like it's stuck in the 1950s or whatever, it might be. Because if that spirit is trying to cancel out all the pain that is associated with their death, mm-hmm. they're still living in 1950s going about their daily routine. Mm-hmm. And I know people like, uh, oh, who's that guy? Jeff Bellinger. His theory is that, oh, well, it's a time, uh, it's a time slip that we're, we're experiencing when, when it's a residual haunting. Two, two periods of time are just kind of bridged together. And my, you know, my problem with that is, well, where does that ex- exist in nature? Explain it. You can't. Mm-hmm. But if you take the psychoneuroimmunology definition and apply it to this, it makes total sense. Because what happens is they're going uh, through their their daily routine of doing the dishes, doing the, you know, whatever. And you're as a ghost hunter, if you're going in and, and you're saying, he, you know, like you said earlier, you're slapping a cell phone down and saying, hey, do you know what this is? They're mm-hmm. canceling you out because you're part of the pain of them being dead. Right. Now... Right. Now this this ties in with a lot of hauntings at the um oh the battlegrounds um Gettysburg Gettysburg. Now if you talk to a lot of people that have had experiences in Gettysburg it's always the reenactors. Why? It's because, because they like are them. dressed yeah they're dressed in that garb so what happens is they're not dressed in modern day clothes they're dressed in just how somebody would exist back in the 19 or uh, the the 1800s. So yeah. they are going to pop into their world, mm-hmm. into this residual haunting world that has been created because they look and act the part. They know the social norms of the, and we're tying it all together. They know the social norms of how to get into this little uh, pocket universe that has been created by this spirit. And once you do that, once you pop that bubble, then now you have to heal them. You have to push them back into a hungry state because if not, they're just going to keep going through the emotions and keep locking up that pain. And this is heady stuff. So if I'm losing you guys, I'm sorry, but no, it, you know, you, you have, and that's the whole point of this thing. Uh, going back to the, the diagram here. So in the middle, we have the hungry state and you have all the different mind states branching off from that one. And what we want to do is we want to bring them back into the center, into that hungry, uh, that hungry mind state. Because once we do that, then, then we can push them to where they need to go. Higher level, lower level, you know, wherever they need to go. If they need to be reborn, hey, go, go for it. But we have to neutralize their mindset to move them on. Right. I know it's a heady subject, so no, no. I, mean, I, get <laughs> I hope it. I encapsulated. I hope, I hope my I hope the listeners get it because I mean, there. I had a psychic tell me one time, these are these are humans that died, and if you were a certain way when you were human when you died, you're going to be like that in the other world, and so that's how you have to go about this. Is you have to think of them like yourself as a human, and maybe there was an issue like you say that's keeping them here or keeping them coming back. And that's what you have to address. And I agree with that 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. (laughs) I want to touch base with you because, yeah, I love it. Certainly, certainly. And let me just, uh, yeah, if you guys want to learn more, uh, I do have a a YouTube channel. It's called Ghost Doctor. I've got 12 episodes so far. And each episode, I try to bring something new to the table that you've never seen before. Uh, One of the episodes... I went to a cemetery just to show, like, I, I'm so sick of these ghost hunting shows where they're like, or, or ghost hunters in general saying, well, there's nothing at uh, cemeteries. You know, if you die, what are you going to do? Just hang around in the cemetery? And I, I'm just dumbfounded. I'm like, well, you don't, re- you don't understand the, the paranormal world that, that well, if you're, if that's your, your mindset, because what I find it at the cemeteries is a lot of the parasitic, type of spirits you know they're there to feed 
a lot of like most of the spirits in the afterlife, they're feeding on something. Even if they don't realize they're feeding off something, they're feeding off something. And we find a lot of parasite spirits in the cemetery. I've had more camera batteries go dead in a cemetery. And in this episode, we went in the daylight. Okay. And I wanted, I, that's another thing I wanted to show that you don't have to go into haunted locations at night, go in the daytime. You can still find stuff. It may not be as much, but you can get stuff in the daytime and you can interact with this stuff. It's called the Woodlawn Cemetery if, if you want to search it, but just a fantastic episode. We interacted with the uh, Wright brothers, which was kind of cool. So it's just an, an all around fantastic episode. Well, again, you know, like you say, I mean, these are hum like these are humans that you're dealing with, even in the afterlife. Yes. And like you say, who knows what problem they died with? Who you know, who knows what's bugging them in this afterlife to, to hold them here? And right. that's the idea is to go in and and figure that out, and then help them from there, so they can move on and do do whatever they have to do. Right. And that's why I say, you know, I don't call myself a ghost behaviorist lightly right. because I do understand a lot of the plights that right. are going on with the afterlife. You know, I just don't want to go into a situation and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And it, it just, when I come at the spirit world in this manner, my success rate is, is just uh, like a thousand percent over what it used to be. And if it isn't, I take it personally. I'm like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? You know, my, I, I'm like, Ugh, because I had this investigation a couple months ago where I went into a location uh, with a, a couple cameramen and I couldn't get anything to happen. I'm like, what, what is going on? This should have worked. And so I walked away from the investigation. I was like, I was beating myself up because I'm like, oh, I'm taught myself as a ghost behaviorist. And what I ended up, uh, Concluding, I'm like, wait a minute. The, the one cameraman that I hired to to come with me had a very bad energy to him. You know, he was a, a, a heavy smoker. Uh, he was he just he was a very disheveled looking. And I was like, I bet it was him. Doggone it! So I, I convinced this lady if I could come back. I'm like, I need to try it again, just just for my own sake, because I'm like, ah, you know, my my uh, my reputation's on the line. So I went back with different. A different camera guy and i'll be doggone it just things exploded so i was like it was him so you when you go out to the field you you know you, you just you just can't know what you're doing you you have to present yourself in a way that attracts the spirits in that uh that they want to talk to you so there's all kinds of factors that play into getting interactions not just now, when uh, you first started doing this and getting all these interactions did you find that even like like with my team, when I do, I'm very good with EVPs, you know, that I'm getting good EVPs, but I okay. have been accused of faking it, even from my own team members, because mm. this, is, this is a person that's a debunker and they just, like you say, they don't have the right mindset to do the stuff or there's something about them that the, go that the ghosts don't like. So then I get accused of, of, of faking my EVPs. Have you ever been like not accused of faking anything, but, you know, kind of kind of like ugh, you know i don't understand why you're getting this i, I don't think it's real <laughs> sure of course uh there's and i don't want to mention any names but sure. there's there's a there's a podcast that i was on a few years ago uh probably i don't know if he's a household name in the paranormal community but i was on his radio show and i was telling him that hey i got a 90 minute interaction with a spirit i was talking about my classification system and he just he did not like this at all I find that people that make money off this field do not like me sure. because I'm coming in and I'm blowing apart everything that they've built their industry on. Mm -hmm. So when I come in and say, well, you know, the collectively, the paranormal field has hit this wall. I found a way to surpass that. Mm -hmm. What I do just, you know, you can't learn overnight. And I think that threatens them. So, you know, when I was on this podcast, he was very condescending. He was very passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I, it was just like, wow, dude, I, I, I didn't mean to step on your toes or anything. I'm just, I'm just, I want to get this knowledge out there. Cause I want to advance the field. You know, I'm not looking for fame and fortune or whatever. I just want to help spirits. I want to help people because you know, this problem is only going to get worse. Right. Because we are in the most materialistic 
period of time in our history. And when this generation dies off, they're going to be so uh, uh, attached to mm-hmm. pop culture, to TV, to movies. To I don't know if they're going to let go. Right. You know, there's just so many things that they're going to latch onto. We're going to have so many haunted items going into other high people's houses. I mean, it's just going to be a free for all. And if we don't know how to, you know, the basic things of cleansing a house, you know, we're going to be in trouble. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get this knowledge out there, but you have people like the, the guy, the, the podcast I was on, just like putting a boot on my head being like, no, stay down. Uh, but the, on, on the upside, I'm, pr- I'm bringing stuff to the table that you can't suppress anymore. Right. You know, I, I've done uh, pitches for networks and it's the same thing, you know, the, the boot to the head, like, no, go away. You know, you're, you're good. You're going to ruin everything type of mentality, but mm-hmm. I'm bringing stuff to the table where I, I'm starting to get manifestations on command. I'm not kidding here. Like I, I just posted a video on my YouTube channel. Look up ghost Dr. Chris. Okay. I, 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 I ended up getting this ghost hand on command. Cause I was talking to this woman about how in the afterlife, I'm like talking about how she manifests and stuff like that. And all of a sudden this hand just zips across the screen. Wow. And it was amazing. It, it's been picked up by a few news outlets as well. So fantastic. So, I mean, it, this is just tip of the iceberg stuff. I, I feel like I'm just, now hitting so it's just gonna be crazy in the next couple of years i'm sure well you've worked really hard at this but you've had a lot of years to practice too i mean like you say it didn't happen overnight no. it was trial and error doing this stuff yeah i was a ghost i was a ghost yeah i was a ghost hunting tour guide for five years and i really got my chops there man i and this place is super haunted i i interacted with all kinds of spirits i interacted with now this was a convent so i uh at one time Mm-hmm. So I interacted with nuns. I interacted with uh, like very dark demonic type things there, parasite creatures, you know, you name it. I shadow people. So it just it really put me through the ringer. So I know what I'm talking about. I've I've been there, done that. So if you're just like, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, you know, I I've done it. I've you know I I've been doing house cleansings recently where it tiptoes into exorcisms and things like that and. You get some nasty stuff coming at you, and this stuff is not for the layperson. I, I hate to tell you, like when if I'm, and this has happened many times, I wake up in the middle of the night, I see this cloaked thing coming at me. You got to know how to deal with that, you know. And I have kids in the house. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to remedy that right away, you know they're going to come after you. Then their next target is your kids. So I got to make sure to cut that off at the pass as soon as they get in here. So right. it, it's like. You have to have a calling for this, or it's going to just destroy your life. Do you think the TV shows have led to the hysteria for people that, you know, at first, when, like, when I started out 25 years ago, it was like when you went out on these cases, it was always somebody's grandfather was haunting the house, you know, or, or a cousin or something. And now almost every call I get is, I know it's a demon. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, I think it's come on, well, do a cleansing, what, and you know, and then you're like, well, we don't even know what we're dealing with. I'm not one cleansing is not going to fit all, so you have to get out there and physically do it. But they want you to come out to a cleansing and just leave them alone. It's like, yeah, that's that's just the the problem with evolution. They don't. I I feel like they don't know where to take the field next. Mm-hmm. It's just the most obvious step. Like, okay, well, we've done grandma. Like, let, let's go demon and let's go. Well, super demon. Okay. Mega demon. Oh, like ultra super mega demons. So it's just like upping the game every time, you know, it's like with the Freddy Krueger movies at some point, it's like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. So, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it does exist, but you know, it, I think it's getting to the point now where I, I've seen a lot of people online too talk about this, where, uh, they say watching paranormal TV is now bringing stuff into their house. Yes. And and I, I've had the same thing happen to me, I, I it, which sucks because I love watching Zach. He's the only one I, I, I love watching. Because, <laughs> you know, say what you will about the guy. I feel like he's the only one trying to propel this f- field forward. But I just don't right. think he has uh, knows the exact tools of how to do that. You know, I, I will give him credit. The yeah. other guys, I, I just feel like they're resting on their laurels. And I'm. I'm not trying to single everybody out. You know, they were back in the day. I love these guys. They were great, but I'm just like, okay, okay well, what, what else do you got? We, we need to evolve this field and they're just not doing it. Mm-hmm. But uh, to answer your question, you know, pop culture 
is the same way. We're at a point now where it's like, well, what do we do now? You know, the, the, the big thing was the, the superhero movies. Now mm-hmm. we're at a point where it's, where it's like, okay, well, what do we do now? We're just doing all kinds of goofy crap. And it, you know, it's like every uh, movie announcement, there's just all these groans and like, Oh God, they're doing this. So, so we're just waiting in the paranormal field for, for something to, to break. And I'm hoping by myself presenting a lot of this stuff to the paranormal field, you know, I can be the one that helps, you know, pull away from, you know, the, the, the stuff that we've seen over and over again since 2010. And it's not to toot my own horn. I just, that, that we, we, the paranormal field really needs a shot in the arm. Cause I, I feel like it's just stuck. It's just collectively stuck. I go to these paranormal conferences and, and, Again, I'm not trying to, to crap on the, the paranormal field, but right. the problem is when they've these things are always interestingly set up. You have the paranormal people in one corner, then you have the local people in another corner. And the problem with the local people is I could take one banner off a table, put it on another banner on a table, and it, it would look like the exact same group. Everybody's just like a carbon copy of each other. So I'm hoping by me coming in and showing that you know, I don't have an acronym for my name. I'm not, you know, orbs or uh, right. toast or, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm coming, I'm a ghost behaviorist. I, I do this by myself. I have, you know, I bring people in time to time. You know, I, I don't have a taps group. I don't have vans that I roll, run around in, you know, and, and I have my own tools that I use, you know, and, and, and it's just like, everybody's like, well, I'm very scientific about this, but I'm not overly scientific. You know, everybody says that uh, it's just like, oh, come on. Come on, you know we're, the paranormal field is starting to become a caricature of itself. You know, we, let's find the next step here. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I found too is that people watch so much of that stuff on TV that when you go out to a house, they'll tell you flat out, "Oh, I did this. I did a dowsing rod session. I've I've got a K two meter here. I, I've been talking to whatever's here, and it's just like, and the things get worse. Well, yeah, well. Honestly, sir, you you can't go by what you see on TV. You don't know what you're doing, you know. Yeah. When you're out here, and I, I find that sad too. Is I mean, for like you say, for what it's worth, when the TV shows first came out, they were good. they were fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. But then, like you say, it's all a cookie cutter, everything. And like you say, the groups are all interchangeable now with with how they do stuff and all this. And I think it takes somebody like you to to change that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I um. You know, and, and and again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It's just what right. I see, and it's it's just not the paranormal field either. It's it's right. it's a lot of different fields. You know, it, it's just you're trying to find something new, and I I feel like we're at this point now where there is just so much. Um, I'm trying to find the right word. There's just so many like close knit circles that won't let anybody else into the party. That were like, you know, what are we doing here? It's like the gas companies, you know, we have free energy stuff. Like, come on, you're not fooling anybody, but they're keeping all that stuff out because they're like, hey, you're going to ruin a good thing here. Right. And I find it's the same thing with the paranormal world. It's like, no, we can't let you in. You're going to ruin a good thing here. Right. And it's just like that way across the board. You keep seeing the same actors and movies. You keep saying the same directors being uh, put on these movies and the. Yeah, it's always the same names over and over and over again. We we don't really see anybody new, and it's it's you know it's, it's time to turn over a new yeah, leaf. It's stagnated now. I mean, everything's yeah, stagnated. Yeah, everybody yeah, gets yeah. the same type of evidence. Everybody uses the same equipment to get the evidence. There's nothing fresh out there, you know, <laughs> to get better stuff. You know, to get better evidence. Right, right, right. You know, that's why, like I said, that's why I was excited to get you on because I mean, it's it's, it's innovative people like you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It might take a while to get it spread and out there to people, but it will start spreading. Like, and I will. Go ahead. Like, for instance, I do sit. You know, I'm not saying I do exactly what you do, but I I I use similar techniques. Therefore, I'm going to incorporate some more of your techniques into what we're doing. So that's one group. Perfect. And I hope. Yeah, I hope they work for you. Just doing it, and then you know it, it it snowballs. Yeah, and. Of course, all throughout history, stagnation is the mother of invention. Uh, there was, um, uh, in the early 1900s, there's a, a man named Eric Erickson, which mm-hmm. came up with the different uh, 
or I'm sorry, um, email, what's his name? Emil Kreplin, that there were all these, um, back in that day, they labeled everybody insane, even if they weren't insane. You know, schizophrenia, it wasn't a thing. Uh, manic depressive wasn't even a thing. Uh, uh, being gay wasn't a thing. But he came in and was like, hey, there's such a thing as uh, schizophrenia and manic depression and bipolar. And then, you know, and then boom, and that, now it's just uh, commonplace in our culture. So, you know, the stagnation, like I said, is the mother of all invention. And we'll, we'll get to that point uh, one day. But, you know, we just got to get over this hurdle. Exactly. Exactly. Um, when we talk about residual hauntings, let's go back to that really quick. Certainly. Um, what do you think they are? Because I mean, it's it's one of these things where it's a playback. So is that is that impress? Did you believe still believe it's an impression on that and you know the energy in the house that that person keeps coming back? You know, to, for for the playback, or do you think it's something else? Yeah, I, well, I think it could be a couple of things. I just want to label everything residual. Because I feel like some things are an echo. You know, what I find is that if a tragedy went down in a location, you've mm -hmm. scarred that location. Okay. You have to go in and cleanse the area of, of its, um, uh, of the scarring for lack of a better word. Uh, in Judaism, they actually have a philosophy where, you know, if you're pouring your energy into something in a room that the room will soak up that energy and leave an imprint. And I feel like if a murder went down or something very bad went down, same thing happens. The The location just soaks that up and every so often it'll just replay and we get residual hauntings. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of the coin, we have these spirits that have made their own pocket universe because they've died abruptly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they, they're, they're trying to cancel out the pain. And when they cancel out the pain, they're they're just living their day to day day to day life, mm -hmm. and just creating their own echo. Okay. And the the, the best uh, uh, the the best example I could give for this was uh, on Ghost Adventures. Zach Baggins went into this this bar, and he was trying. There was a so called residual haunting at this bar, and he tried so hard to get her interaction with the spirit. And the only way he was able to get interaction was by sitting at the bar and ordering a drink. And it worked because this bartender who said, uh, who was said to haunt this location, you know, if he canceled out the pain of being dead, you know, he's still serving drinks to people. So mm -hmm. by Zach sitting down at that table mm -hmm. and ordering a drink, he just popped into his little micro universe by you know doing the day-to-day -day stuff and he was able to recognize them because it wasn't painful for him to see him so uh -huh. he he came into his universe i don't know how long he lasted there but right. uh you know he, he broke into it absolutely nonetheless yeah. chris this has been wonderful oh thank you thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it oh it was a pleasure thanks for having if me you don't mind, i'd like to keep in touch with you because i want to start tooling more of my team stuff to add your stuff in with my team stuff so we can do better work out here in the field. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Really and I have a new, Oh, I have a new book out too. It's called haunted Toledo. Okay. Uh, I, now I know it's, it's a local flavor, but right. I have a lot of my interactions and interactions with the spirits and conversations that I get with them in this book. And it's very, very educational. So fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm very it just impressed. transcends local flavor. I'm very impressed, and I, I, I want to incorporate the stuff. Oh, so. great. I, I hope you do. How do people get a hold of you, sir? Uh, they can find me on Facebook. They can, uh, I've, I've got a contact on my YouTube page. Just find me there. Uh, and, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate you coming on again, and I hope you have the rest, uh, a good rest of the weekend. Oh, you too. Thanks, Charlotte. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was Chris Boris, and and wow, that's all I can say. And I'm like I said, I'm really impressed with the way he does things, and I am going to uh, start incorporating some of that stuff in, in with California haunts, paranormal investigations. I'll tell you because it's it's a, it's a really similar to 
a philosophy I've been thinking about for a really long time. Anyway, I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And uh, hope hope you have a good night. See ya.